Welcome in to another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Wayne Spoonie is here with us as we kick off episode three of our Get to Know the Celtics Media off-season series. And for this installment, we have the pleasure of welcoming sports writer, author, podcaster, and former professional hooper. It's John Corrales. Welcome, John. How's it going, man? It's going great. How are you guys doing? Yeah, really well, really well. Thank you so much for coming on. Now, look, obviously, we're keen to talk to you about your podcast, the Locked On Celtics podcast, and your role as a sports writer covering the Celtics. But we would be remiss while you're here to not talk to you about what's going on with these bloody Celtics. So the Celtics fan base is uh, it's super divided at the moment, right? And, and that divisive topic is, like, did the Celtics get better or worse this offseason where do you stand on this? Because I am of the belief that they did get better. Like they essentially have a big three now and they have addressed a lot of their issues uh, from seasons past by adding Porzingis uh, and promoting Derek White to the starting point guard role. What's your stance on this? I think they've theoretically gotten better. And that, that's, and I happen to have written a piece today on Boston Sports Journal about uh off-season questions and and whether the theoretical can become reality for the Celtics. Theoretically, yeah, a lot of this stuff makes sense. With Marcus Smart, if you if you take everything together and you say they they traded Marcus Smart and Grant Williams, they got back Porzingis, two firsts and a bunch of second round picks. You say, okay, that's that's pretty decent value. That that, that makes sense. Um, so I w- would have done. I think some of the things that. Brad Stevens did. I think it, it's fine, but we don't know how it's going to work. We don't know how it's going to fit. So in NBA 2K, probably would be a pretty good team. Probably Can would confirm. be better. Can but confirm. In, in reality, it could be a championship team. It also could be a team that flames out because of you know injuries or fit that has been imperfect or regression by Porzingis that you know, he's one of the big questions. Is he going to build on last year or regress? Uh, uh, Derek White, he the the trend seems to point to him moving upward as well. But I don't know. You give him the the ball full time, and you know, with this lineup, is it going to take away from his shooting? So I don't know. It, there, there's a lot. Joe Mazzula, what's he going to be as a head coach this second year around? Right? Like, so there are a lot of things that you just. You really don't know more so than there would have been if they had just come back with some tweaks, you know, with Marcus as the starting point guard and Grant and, you know, maybe maybe a couple of bench guys that helped a certain way. But so that's that's a very long winded way of me saying, I think they got better, but (laughs) we're going to have to see. We're just going to have to wait and see. Do you buy that there's any like argument to Brad looked at Denver and was like, okay, an offense first team sacrificed a little bit of defense and won a championship, maybe I can do that. Because when you start looking at Porzingis and the Jays and Derek White had that insane run, he was averaging like 20 and eight when he was a starting point guard when Smart was out. And Brad was like, you know what? I'm sick of not being able to score in crunch time. I'm going to make this trade. I'm going to change this team into sort of like headfirst into Missoula's philosophy. We're offense first. We'll sacrifice a little defense, but what we gain offensively, we'll totally make up for it. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with Denver because Denver was an offense first team because they have Nicole Jokic. Like yeah. you, 
you can't look at Denver and say, let's just try to do what they do. Like, okay, you're going to clone Jokic? Then great. That would be amazing. Uh, Otherwise, you can't do what they do. So I, I think what is actually happening is the second part of what you said. They're leaning heavily into Joe Missoula. They are buying into Joe Missoula. And it's, you know, Brad, Brad is, is giving him every possible tool that he can get to make him a better coach, to give him a better team uh, from the assistant coaches that are coming in to Porzingis and giving the Celtics a, you know, a, a potential kind of late clock safety valve. Uh, I think it says more about how much faith he has in Tatum and Brown in those situations uh, than it does uh, some of the other stuff. I, I feel like it's very clear the past two seasons, you, two seasons. I know these guys are still young and figuring themselves out as like the elite players, but you got two seasons of last second, late game, late clock kind of failures. And Porzingis gives you that bailout. So uh, I think I think those things, the the bailout option and, and the Joe Missoula support are, are more of what's happening. Uh, I'm just going to get to a comment on the live stream here from Landon, who says, I've seen this man posterize Jay King on the rims of Pawtucket. Jay King left broken, shattered in a puddle of coffee milk and hot wieners. Legendary stuff. Uh, John, do you care to comment at all? Uh, I feel like that might have been a fever dream. I've never played <laughs> Jay King one-on-one. Uh, I think at this point, the days of me challenging guys one-on-one might be done. But uh, if anybody wants to start that legend, I fully support it because Jay King must be stopped. We do have this legendary photo of John Corrales <laughs> in his uh, yeah. Emerson days uh, looking sharp and, and dominant, if I might say so myself. With, assuming with, in the hair, and <laughs> with hair and probably uh, about 80 pounds ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, so uh, get, getting back to whether or not the Celtics uh, have gotten better or if they may just still be uh, on the path that way themselves. Um, there seems to be a sense from listening to, to your podcast, John, and, and reading you know things around the, the Twitter sphere uh, as far as the Celtics are concerned that the Celts aren't done making moves yet. Do you mm-hmm. get that sense that they've got uh, moves ahead of them? And if so, if you were the GM for a day, a week, a month, what moves would you make? Well, I think I do think that they have more to do, but I think the the play right now is to wait. Um, because, as I said, so much is theoretical. You need to see what's real and what's not. You need to see what is the Porzingis fit? What is the Derek White fit? What is the style that that Joe is trying to play? What is he going to try to institute? Are these guys going to be able to execute it? And where will the shortcomings be? I feel like I want to go out and get some, some help at point guard uh, or at the wing, but you never know what the, the, the circumstances might bring up. By the time we get to December, Christmas time, it might be a different thing. Maybe somebody got hurt or maybe somebody's just not performing the way we thought they would. Or maybe this there's a certain mix, uh, a certain lineup that we didn't anticipate is, wow, this is the, the, one of the best lineups in the league. And maybe, maybe you, uh, a, a move that you might have made to, to trade somebody from, from that lineup, you say, okay, we're going to keep that lineup. We're going to go a different direction. So at this point, I'm, I'd be hesitant to add anybody else. Because it's it's the end of July. Who who are you going to add? Who's out there? There's, there's nobody 
that's out there right now that says that, that makes me say, oh, my God, I got to pounce and get that guy because he might he might get snapped up. But if he, if he hasn't been snapped up by July 20th, he's not he, he's available. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would rather wait till that December 15th, January 15th, when the, the trade restrictions start to lift. And I want to see who might be falling out of favor, what fits might not be working on other teams, and, and then see where the Celtics can go. Because they did get that traded player exception in the Grant Williams trade. So there's six, six plus million dollars they can play with there that I think would be a better way to get somebody than maybe just relying on veteran minimums. Yeah, a $6.2 million TPE. And what kind of concerns me, and it's it's early days as far as the offseason is concerned, but it seems like Wick and Co are wavering on whether or not to like go all in financially this year. And a player that would fit really well into that $6.2 million TPE is Kenrich Williams of the OKC Thunder, who does fit that sort of wing player mm-hmm. archetype positional need that you referred to, John. And yet that would push them into some punitive tax penalties just by acquiring that six-ish million dollar salary. Mm-hmm. With OKC, they have that roster crunch. They have, I think, 21 or they waived Rudy Gay yesterday. So 20 rostered players currently, they have to cut some players from their roster. Do you think that's a, a worthwhile pursuit from the Celtics perspective? Because he would fill a positional need. Do you have his contract in front of you? I don't have it in front of me. 6.1. 6.1. Is, is it expiring? Is it expiring? Ooh, or... I- I don't know that. I think he's got a couple of years ahead of him. Yeah. I would say at least that, two years. And it, it, and that's not necessarily a, an issue because at, if he comes in and he fits, he could be a cheap, a cheap way to uh, maybe fill a need while the Celtics are trying to figure out the top of their, their uh, roster. But the reason I say if, he, if he's expiring, then it would be like, yeah, sure, no brainer because you bring him in for this year – the the biggest problem this year is okay you have to pay some taxes that's that's what they were facing no matter what the collective bargaining agreement was but the the multiple years on the contract make it, it just make me say hmm, i don't know it's it's possible that they they don't want to tie themselves up too much but he he's he's a good target i think he would be a, a good option and and maybe the Celtics do make that that move and, and just say, hey, if you need to trade him next summer because, you know, you're in the same situation that OKC is in in a certain way, then, yeah, you could do that, too. So I've been a big proponent of pushing all in this season yeah. because the real punitive stuff happens next summer. You don't want to be operating too much like in, in above the second apron this year. But I say go for it. But it's easy to spend somebody else's money. Right. Yeah. And actually, it looks like he signed an extension last offseason. So this year will be his first year of a four year contract. So, okay. yeah, that, the money issues are definitely, and, you know, our salary is only going up with Jalen Supermax, potentially assuming kicking in next year. Yeah. I can um, dream. It, it will. It will yeah, like, I think so too. I think it so will. too. But let's, let's assume the team stays fairly um, where it's at right now. Which role player's role do you think is going to change the most next season for better or worse? Is it Horford coming off the bench, Pritchard, elevated role, Derek White into the starting point guard role? Hauser's got, it looks like there's a lot of minutes at the wing for Sam Hauser to eat yeah. up. Um, or, I mean, the Jays giving up shot attempts to Porzingis. They're going to have to play with a third star now, which they haven't really done since Kemba 
since they've really elevated into all NBA level. If you're looking at whose role will change the most, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go with Horford because he's going to end up probably moving to the bench. Um, and that's more age related than anything. It makes the most sense to move Horford to the bench and and kind of put him in bubble wrap. You, you're playing. You tell him you're playing 20 minutes a game. You're not playing back to backs. Same thing. And then when. Uh, March, April rolls around. We'll start to bump it up and, and maybe some of the, you know, you start shrinking your, your rotation a little bit and getting into playoff mode and you get them into maybe 25, 30 minutes then. But to go from starter down to the bench, I think it'd be a much reduced role. But honestly, a lot of those guys, all the guys yeah. that you mentioned are going to have much different roles. I think Peyton Pritchard, you know, he might be tied because he's going to go from DNP to, he should go to like 15, 20 minutes a game. Yeah. He should. Um, and, and they're going to have to rely on him to, to just kind of, for the regular season, come in, play, be a good point guard for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And then when the playoffs come around, understand that you can't put him out there in the playoffs, but it's going to be an increased role nonetheless. Yeah, and I alluded to this with Hauser and that there's some wing role minutes to absorb with Grant Williams out the door. So who do you think will at the end of the season end up having absorbed those minutes. Do we think Hauser's going to be playing like high 20s? Is it Brissett? Uh, Jordan Walsh, maybe? Uh, that'd be uh, fun, right? It would be fun. It would be fun. I want to set the expectations really low on Walsh. This way he'll surprise us rather than set the expectations. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. And then have him like be the real. The realistic thing is he's going to spend this year in the G League. Brad Stevens has said it. He's he's made it very very clear that Jordan Walsh is is not ready to make uh, any sort of contribution right away. So we should listen to Brad. Uh, and if he surprises us, if Jordan Walsh surprises us, then great, that's awesome. Uh, but I think they brought in Brissett to do that job. Yeah, and I, I think Brissett has. If you could combine Brissett and Hauser you'd have an all-star player. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, um, Hauser's going to have his opportunity for sure. And, and he might be the wild card that really so few people are talking about this summer. I haven't heard much conversation about him at all. And he, he could be the, the, the wild card here because if he can come in and be a consistent shooter, and you know, I know he shot over 40%, but he did have a month where he couldn't hit a damn thing. Mm-hmm. If he can be more consistent, and be passable on defense, then then he'll get plenty of opportunity. I mean, Joe Mazzullo loves the three, so I would I think he would probably rather go with um, Hauser because that's the type of player he likes. But Hauser just has to make sure that he's good enough on defense to to stay on the floor, which he was towards the end of the year. If Brissett can can hit some shots, then he has an opportunity as well. But I, I would say that. Brissett was brought in by Brad to do the job, but Hauser has the skills that might appeal to Joe. Yeah. Yeah. We referred to uh, Hauser being targeted defensively last year as the house trap uh, and which he ensnared <laughs> opposing players frequently uh, throughout the course of the season. So it and was the fun that- to see, man. It yeah. was fun to see people going at him and he, he held his own. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and then the fact that he did bounce back from that huge slump mid-season, like the fact that he had the fortitude to to bounce back yeah. from such a slump, given the juncture that he's at in his career is sort of like this barely making a roster, just jumping up from the G League into the NBA and being able to uh, endure a slump like that and bounce back. I think that says a lot about his mentality and his character as well. So I've got high hopes for, for Hauser. You mentioned Walsh uh, and lowering expectations. We have certainly been taking the opposite approach. <laughs> yeah, that's why you podcast. get paid. <laughs> yeah, that's why you get paid and we uh, don't get paid very much at all. Um, <laughs> um, we, we talked about Grant Williams you know, you know, being shipped out and having to account for the, the pocket of minutes being made available there. Have you seen the clip of, of Grant Williams on JJ Reddick's pod that was released earlier today? Yes, I have. Did this confirm any suspicions for you, John? Because he, he talked about the difference between Ime and Joe and how Joe really likes to dictate everything that happens on the floor and in particular uh, matchups and coverages and wasn't necessarily open to player input as to whether or not uh, that was working. Whereas Ime would welcome hearing what players saw and actually allowed them to, to change up coverages. Was that a sense that you had covering the team last season going into this season? Well, it, it did feel like... Joe, Joe definitely was, was, it's hard to say. It really is hard to say. I, I do feel like Joe was, was very much like dictating a lot. You could see him pointing as, as my video. Wow, man. I don't know what happened, man. All of a sudden my video just started lagging. Um, we'll we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it in the ad break. One thing that, that I opened up. Um, anyway, so yeah, I, I definitely see that. The thing that Grant said about Joe saying, I, I didn't want to screw this up, right? Like Joe didn't want to screw it up. Joe had his, his vision and, you know, things that he knew that he wanted to do and he didn't want to screw it up. And, and that was just kind of it where, where I don't think Ime had that, that feeling that, that unease, but it's, it's understandable as well. Uh, it's seeing Joe get this job when he did a couple of days before media day. And it's like this holy crap moment of, all right, what am I, what am I going to do here? And I, I know if it was me, I would be, I would just be like, you know, lose all bodily function. Be like, what, what, what you want to be, you want to be the head coach. Okay. <laughs> at his age, at, at his level of experience, all he had was numbers and you know like analytical trends and matchup data and stuff like that he's a big believer in the numbers and Ime is a big believer in the players and so it makes sense and when grant said you do need a bit of both like that that's true uh i i think joe didn't have he he couldn't he couldn't trust the players enough because he didn't have a he didn't have a sense of their you know their experience like Ime did. Um, like when I would challenge Joe in a, a a press conference, you know he'd just come back with with the numbers. This is this is it. This is the most important thing. You know three point three point attempt rate is the most imp- a, a important stat in basketball. And I was like, really is is that is that really the most important stat in basketball? I feel like there's others that are probably more important, but. That's that's all he knew. And so that's all he could lean on. And if a player said, hey, I see this, I see that. And it ran counter to the numbers. 
then Joe Joe relied on the numbers because the numbers aren't uh, the the numbers are are cold. They're emotionless, uh, but the numbers can lie to you. So I hope that Joe was able to take a level of uh, a level of that out of this experience. I, I liked when Grant said, "Ime, sometimes sometimes when things were going wrong, Ime would say, stop BSing the game out there, and instead of changing things." He challenged the players to play harder and and go out there and do what they were supposed to do. Just do it better. Whereas Joe said, oh, this isn't working. Let's go to the next thing and see if that works. That's a very analytical way to do it. You run an experiment. It fails. You go to the next thing and you try to you just keep going until the numbers work. And then you put all that into that, you know, your whatever processing and and you it spits out your data points and that points you in the right direction it's very different very different styles and and it does make sense what grant said is that something that you ever encountered playing professionally in greece like obviously second spectrum wasn't pointing towards the the, the greek league very different that was a very different experience (laughs) um we that and we gotta remember that was also like 1996 and there, you know, the, in, the internet was new that we, there were no, the only stats <laughs> anybody cared about were like points, rebounds, assists. Yeah. And there was, there was no analytical, anything like that. It was just a coach had his offense and said, this is how we're, we're running this. We're running a flex. We're running a, this we're running a, you know, it is. Yeah. So, so, so none of that, none of that it was, <laughs> when I tell you my playing experience is so far different than anything that we're talking about. Like it's not even the same. It's it's not even the same game. Um, yeah. You remember? You ever see the the Giannis and Tentacumpo uh, Greek league when when Giannis was like sixteen yeah, playing yeah. those little crappy dingy gyms? Yep, that's where I play. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they didn't even care about field goal percentage back in the 90s and the early 2000s. It was all about points, baby. Yeah. (laughs) But um, my coach smoked on the bench. Yeah. (laughs) Hilarious. (laughs) I'm sitting there and the guy's like, yeah, yeah, God, do this, do this, do that. And I'm like, you know what? You know, they always used to teach you how to like go sit next to the coach because when somebody screws up, he's just going to go grab you and be like, get that guy out of there. It's a way to get back into the game. (laughs) <laughs> my coach was sitting there lighting up like smoking as the game was going I'm like you know what i don't care if i don't play at all i'm gonna sit there at the end of the bench and if he wants to find me he can come down there and find me i'm not getting emphysema by playing professional sports <laughs> <laughs> i want to go back to your incredibly insightful answer about grant's uh interview really quickly do you think what you explained there about joe's analytic side and him relying on that too much is that why they targeted guys like sam cassell yes um, Charles Lee seems to be more of an analytical guy, but Cassell really seems like your job is to be like the player's coach. Yeah. But Charles Lee also had a professional career. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, yes, everybody's an analytics coach, right? It's, I, I think there's, um, you have to have a level of numbers in the game. The numbers do tell you things, but the numbers are also, related to human beings and yes that's why they brought in sam cassell and lee and phil pressy because you're dealing with human beings every day out there and the numbers can say what the numbers say but you gotta know you gotta understand like that amount the amount of data 
that you need to spit out reliable numbers is huge, which means there, if you zoom all the way in, there are ups and downs and ups and downs in there, right? You, you gotta, you gotta zoom way out to get the upward or downward trends. So you cannot just rely on the numbers that the, the, and I called it painting by numbers all season long. You know, you can do a paint by numbers and get a picture of a dog and put it in a frame and be like, I painted that. And people, oh, that's, that's, I recognize that it's a dog and that's Technically okay. Technically true. Good. Yeah. yeah. Right. You painted a dog. That's great. Good for you. But it's another thing for me to look at my dog sitting over here on the, on the chair and put an easel out and may, you know, and, and create something that's different. That's feel, that's experience, that's learned stuff. And, and so, Joe is trying to transition into that level Um, and to get Cassell in there who has championship experience, high level playing experience, end of bench playing experience to have Lee in there uh, and the level of relationships that they've had to, to build with, with mega stars and, you know, role players. Uh, They also have played, uh, have coached guys that are similar to, what the Celtics are putting out there now, you know, the, the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard dynamic, uh, the drop coverage in Milwaukee with, with Brooke Lopez and the way they played their defense. Charles Lee was in the middle of that. So the Celtics doing that with Porzingis, Lee has like the blueprint for that. Sam Cassell has the blueprint for playing with two wings and trying to figure out how to play off of one. Now it's different, you know, a little bit different, but you know, that's the, that's probably the closest, like, uh, dynamic you're going to get Paul, Paul George, Jason Tatum, Kawhi Leonard, you know, uh, Jalen Brown, different versions of similar styles. Uh, obviously I'm not going to say here. Don't no one say John says Jalen Brown is Kawhi Leonard. Please. No one take that. We're from clipping here. that. <laughs> okay. But you get, you get where I'm going with that. Um, yeah. Those guys have that information. They have the, they understand the superstar mentality. They understand all of that stuff. And Joe needs those guys because you can say the numbers tell me this, but what you got to say in the playoffs, you can, those numbers don't mean a damn thing in the playoffs because the numbers are random, randomized regular season, 82 games, you know, 30 teams, all of that in the regular season. It gives you something. Playoffs are different. It's matchups. You're playing the same team for potentially seven games. It's, it's recognizing trends as they happen. Mm-hmm. Analytics be damned, right? You can have analytics on a particular player, but the overall paint-by-numbers thing that had been working during the regular season, it's gone during the playoffs. It's, forget it. Throw it that, you know, flush it down the toilet. At that point, you need to be, be able to read people. Who's... Whose body language is bad? Whose shoulders are slumped? You know, what's, who's tired? Who's, you've got to be able to think on your feet and you can't rely on the numbers at that point. That's where these guys, and that's what that experience, that's where that experience is going to help Joe Missoula, but that's where these coaches are going to help him as well. Yeah, I would love to think that Joe Mazzola has the capacity to to take on that kind of feedback going into his his sophomore season, I guess, as a coach. Um, let's take so. a well, yeah, uh, it's, it's very necessary. Now, we, we mentioned being paid uh, a small amount of money a second ago. Let's take a, a brief moment to shout out our sponsor, FanDuel, because baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now, new customers get a no-sweat 
first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to fanduel.com slash Boston to join today. Now, Spoonie, a lot of baseball talk there on the ad read, but I just looked up the Celtics over-under for the upcoming season. Uh, it's on FanDuel. It's at 54.5. Are you taking the over or the under on that? That feels low, man. That yeah. feels always, pretty low to we me. We always I, say that, though. We yeah, always say that. Yeah, we're idiots. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. Is, is this tea that you're drinking or green Kool-Aid? For <laughs> both. Yeah. It is green tea. It's a mixture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm hammering the over. I might get I might get alternate odds on that and go 57 and a half over. You know, why yeah. not? Just a little bit extra on there. Now, John, I don't know if there's a conflict of interest. I don't know if I can ask for your f- thoughts on this over under, but, you know. Oh, right. yeah, you can. FanDuel's, FanDuel's a sponsor on our network, too. So Great. Shout out, um, FanDuel. Yeah. Um, you know, I would change the promo code, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I No, you know what? I, I do think the regular season can go well. Um, I think I think the projections are going to love Boston. Mm-hmm. You're you're going to take you take Marcus Smart off, and you add Porzingis, who just came off his most efficient season in in his career. Um, that's or the second most efficient season of his career. That that's a big upgrade. So I, I think I think a 55 win season. They won 57 this past season. So mm-hmm. um, and I think that you know. It might depend on, you know, does Dame come over and go to Miami? How, how does how, how do the, the couple of these other Eastern teams kind of shake out a little bit? Are there are there losses in there that that might drag that down? But I, I can I can go with I can go with the over on that. Yeah, I got to take the over as well. A, a unanimous over. Am I um, hammering the over? <laughs> no. Well, I'll lightly tap the over. <laughs> I'll, I'll hammer the over. Uh, now, look, before we get to the the official get to know the Celtics media portion of this podcast, the meat of this podcast, if you will, we've got a couple of listener questions here, and we'll start with one from Dandyman7816, uh, who threw this to us on our YouTube post last night. They ask, John, if you could choose between Rob Williams getting Al's three-point shooting or Hakeem or Mikhail's post moves and scoring, what would be your pick for Rob Williams and why? <laughs> Um, I'm going to say the post moves, um, not just because I was a post player and I have an affinity for the post player and I'd love to see the post player come back. But, um, I think (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, I feel like for what the Celtics need, it would be amazing to run an offense and if it stalls or, or just occasionally just run something to clear out and give it to Rob and be like, and just watch him drop step up fake up and under score. You're like, Whoa, if, if he got that, the Celtics offense would be unstoppable because you'd have to collapse and dig down on him. And he would just pick, pick that apart uh, with the passing. So the last thing the Celtics need is another shooter. Uh, give me the, give me a guy at his height uh, that can give me a few nice post moves and score when when he needs to. Uh, I'm I'm happy with that. Bring back the post game, man. I know I miss Al Jefferson. He was like my favorite. Um, but <laughs> we have uh, <laughs> imagine Rob punishing switches too with the post game. Oh. But yeah, be so nice. Hey, we have another listener. Uh, question for you, John. Philip Hart, shout out Philip. He's always dropping comments on our YouTube. 
I would like to know if John thinks the plan with Porzingis is to run double bigs and how would double big lineups change against our key matchups in the East? Bucks, Heat, Sixers. Yeah, I mean, that that is a good question because we know it's going to be Grant J, uh, Grant and the Jays, Porzingis, and then who's that, who's that other starter? I think it makes sense to have it be a double big lineup because um, you, you just hang your hat on rim protection. And you, I think Rob, Rob would start. Rob can get out to the perimeter. Um, I think, I think you go with, you go with that and you can also with that morph into a nice zone defense where you put, you just drop Jason Tatum into the middle of a zone and have him kind of patrol that. I'm, I'm just so I'm, it, it's probably my biggest, uh, the biggest thing I've latched onto this summer is the Celtics playing zone this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm obsessed with that idea because of the length that Porzingis brings. So yeah, you start double big. Um, and, and, and the reason why it works with Porzingis is because it's like, it's like Al, he, you, you can spread them out and you can run, uh, you can run high pick and roll and you just have Rob in the dunker spot, but it, it's okay to have Porzingis rolling uh, because you can just throw you can throw up to him and, and he's still going to catch it. It's, it's just a little bit different. Um, and I think defensively, it's who's who's going to who's going to score at the rim with those two guys back there. So you get to run the offense that you want as Joe Missoula, um, and but you still get to run a defense that that can be pretty stifling. So that's how I'd go. Yeah, and the Rob Williams that we're, I guess, picturing in that double big lineup is not necessarily like the Rob Williams that we have have come to know, at least within the the, the scope of the last season. And, you know, I, I'm not going to be the first person to overreact to off-season, like, Instagram video hype, but, like, John, have it's, you seen, have you seen Rob oh, Williams man. in the lab? Oh, nothing like reacting to... Oh, it's the best. Uh, undefended workout videos <laughs> in July and August, man. This is the best part of this offseason. Yeah, I saw it. It's great to see. Um, you know, I can't wait to see Andre Drummond shooting three-pointers uh, and hitting a bunch of those ben three-pointers. Simmons. You know, Ben Simmons <laughs> shooting three-pointers obviously is going to be a big thing. Uh, but no, Rob Rob out there, it, like he's working on stuff that he needs to be working on. Mm-hmm. And the thing with him is he's, he he doesn't have to be a big part of the offense. He just needs to make a team pay for losing sight of him. And so some of those shots that he's going to get are some of the shots that he was working on. I'd love to see him develop a 15 footer. I'd love to see him develop some, some, some kind of offense on his own. Um, And yeah, be more selfish because he needs to, he needs to make defenses pay, but he also needs just to be a threat. Right. If if he's always going to pass, and if he's around the rim and he's looking to pass out of that, then you're you're hurting your team. You're hurting your team doing that. You need to make the defense respect your offense. And if he goes out there and develops enough of a game, even face up, that makes other teams respect his offense, then he can pass because then you can cut behind that. And he can get his teammates easy baskets. And, and when a defense can't leave anyone on the floor alone, then that defense is just toast. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be exciting to see how it materializes on the court uh, this upcoming season. Unfortunately, it feels like there's a lifetime to go between now and even preseason or media day. Uh, so, uh, and uh, John, I think I heard you mention to, to Tom Westerholm on your pod yesterday that you've got a vacation coming up. So, so good for you and, and well deserved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, now, look, uh, we want to get to know you a little bit better, John. And we've covered your playing days and early career, I think the last time or the time before. We had you on the podcast back when we were the Celtics Reddit pod. So we'll skip that. And if you're listening to this live or later on YouTube or Spotify or wherever, you can scroll back through our feed and you can find those earlier pods that we did with John if you're interested in, in those questions. Um, but John, I think the most interested thing that I'm, um, I've got to ask you is um, you have the number one ranked podcast uh, in the Celtics sphere out there. There's probably like 10 legitimate Celtics pods and several illegitimate ones, including this one. <laughs> You're number one. <laughs> Can you talk to us about the process of, of building the number one Celtics podcast and what that's been like? Like, when did it start and how did it start and what has the evolution from start to now been like? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a long, long, long road. Um, and the road to that ranking is just consistency. Um, it started... I don't remember. It, it was probably like <sighs> 10 years ago or so that Jay King called me up out of nowhere and said, Hey, do you want to do a podcast? And I was like, yes, I would like to do a podcast with you. Um, and you know, I've always gravitated towards this medium. Um, I went to, I went to Emerson. I was a broadcast journalism major. I've always wanted to be, on TV, on the radio, I'm always, it's very obvious through the course of even this, this show, I like to talk. So it's, it, it's right in my wheelhouse, right? I love basketball. Um, I like to talk. I like to talk sports. So this has always been something. When we first started Red's Army, we did a, a show, Chuck McKinney and I called the two man game back on blog talk radio, which I don't even know if it still exists or not. But um, we, we, I've always been podcasting for as long as I could podcast. And, uh, I'd had a stint on Celtic stuff live because Justin Poulin was unable to host the show. John Duke still wanted to do the show. So I was free. And so there's, uh, like the dark days of Celtic stuff live where I was the host, uh, <laughs> with John. They, I don't think they acknowledge that. It's like, it's like, um, <laughs> It's like uh, Jim Belushi's brother or, you know, John, Jim Belushi uh, instead of John Belushi out there. So, um, but anyway, so that, that kind of faded away and Jake, Jake called me up. I was living in New York at the time and we decided to do the podcast and um, we, we call it the, the rain and Jays and it was me and Jay and we podcast it once a week, like, like everybody does. And about a year or so into that, uh, I got a, a call from David Locke and he said, or an email. And he said, you know, introduce himself, radio voice of the Utah jazz. He says, I'm starting this podcast network and I'm trying, you know, explain the, the vision. And he said, I want to get a podcast for each team. We want to get your podcast to be our Celtics podcast. And he explained, we would change the name to locked on Celtics. Every, 
every show is locked on whatever. And he wanted us to go five days a week. So Jay and I kicked it around and we decided, okay, yes, let's do it. Um, five days a week was a little tough. Cause at that point it was, I was working in TV in New York and it was a little tough for the two of us. We brought in Sam Packard and we said, well, it's raining Jays. Your name is Sam. So we're going to start, just start calling you jam. So it would <laughs> just fit the Jays theme. And so that's why he's Sam jam Packard. And the three of us kind of did this show for a while. Um, and it was great because people could feel like sometimes it was just Jay and Sam. Sometimes it was me and what, you know, it was some different combination of the three of us. And, um, every once in a while, the three of us could get together and it was a lot of fun doing the show. Uh, and then at one point, forget exactly the timing of it, but I think at that point I was back in Boston. I was working for mass live and Jay said, um, the athletic is starting a podcast, uh, a Celtics podcast. He's obviously a beat writer for the athletic. And, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go do it. They're, they're paying me, you know, they're paying me to do it. So I'm going to, you know, it's, it's him and Sam and they're going to go. And I just, okay, sure. No problem. You know, no hard feelings at all. Like I would do it too. So I, I took over the podcast, uh, on my own. Again, I don't mind talking for extended periods of time. This soliloquy is evidence of that. Uh, I don't, I, I just keep on going until people tell me to stop. And that's that it was, it was kind of like a make or break. Could I handle the, the solo pods? And I actually enjoy doing a solo pod by myself. Um, I like the dynamic. I like talking to the camera, talking to people through the camera and just, you know, there was, there was no drop off after, after they left. Um, so I guess I jettisoned the dead weight and that's when the show really started to take off. No, those guys are awesome. I love both of those guys. Um, but I was just, I was just in a position where, because I was a beat writer and I had the time and, um, my biggest thing is that I was always too stupid to stop. I, the, and I yeah, so I just kept on going, you know, I, I got, I got $7 paychecks, you know, for doing, uh, for doing the show. Uh, I I've been through things. I've been like on the verge of quitting a dozen times. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I just, there was always something in me to be like, you know what? Now you're not going to quit. You're going to keep going. Um, and each time I kept going, it was, it just got a little bit better. And you know, the, the people, people stuck around. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been great, but, there's, you know, Jay and Sam do a great job with anything is potable. There are so many good podcasts out there. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not hosting the number one Celtics podcast because I'm any better than any better than anybody. I'm hosting it because it's five days a week and I'm, I'm doing it five days a week and I'm giving everybody an option, right? Like you don't, you don't get to be the number one podcast by being the best podcast. You get to be the number one podcast by being everybody's second favorite podcast. That's <laughs> how you get the number one podcast, right? Like you think about it as MVP voting. You got Jokic and Embiid and, and Tatum and, you know, and you get five guys and four of them get 
number one votes and that fifth guy gets the same amount of number one votes, but gets all the second place votes, who gets who gets the MVP? The guy who got all the second place votes. Sure. Right. That's that's my secret to success. It's mm-hmm. I don't care if you like anything potable is potable better than me. That's fine. They, they do a great job. That's a subjective thing. I don't you like winning plays. You like Forsberg and and, and uh, NBC. Like, sure, go for it. Like, I'm not trying to say I'm better than anybody. You people have their tastes and whatever. But when those podcasts aren't dropping and people want Celtic content, they go, no, Corrales is, is, is pretty good, too. So, you know, pop that on. If I'm everybody's second choice, that keeps me up at the top. My, you know, I'm, oh, I've always got people here at the podcast. That's, that's how you get to be at the top of the rankings, not trying to be like some maniac. Oh, I got to be better than everybody. Like, nah, screw that, man. It's everybody. There's like, there's like two dozen great podcasters in Boston. Everybody should get some listens. But if, if you're not listening to that podcast, listen to me next. And that's how I get to the top. Do you listen to other podcasts? Like if I out of spite, if nothing yeah. else? I like to listen to, yeah, I like to listen to these other guys um, just to kind of see what they're saying, right? And um, there are times when I'll sit there and be like, oh, I said that yesterday. And, you know, like, oh, you know, <laughs> you know or like, oh, that's a good point. And, you know, I will, I will mention whenever somebody makes a good point. Um, I do like to hear what other people are saying because everybody has a different perspective. And if somebody makes a good point, I want to hear it. Um, that just makes me better. Um, and, you know, it's hard. It's hard because you want to avoid everything sounding the same. You don't want to be like, you don't want everybody to have like just the same information. But also, it's sometimes there's only a couple of ways to look at certain things. And if a lot of us have the same opinion on something, so be it. But yeah, I do. I do listen to, to a lot of podcasts for sure. Yeah, you heard it, you heard it here first. Uh, John Corrales, second best podcast behind First to the Floor. So I appreciate it. I'm a headline, <laughs> t-shirts, I'll wear it. Uh, but no, I think I, I, can, I, I, I know I can speak for myself and Ben and probably everyone listening to this. We're all huge fans of yours. We yeah, all love totally. the pod. We all 100%. check it out daily. So well, I uh, just want to appreciate, you know, we just really appreciate what you do. But it, yep. speaking of podcasts and sports coverage in general, you know, the NBA for most of its history was like TV, then the newspaper, then the internet hit, then it's blogs. And now podcasting, I think, is probably the primary way people consume NBA media other than the games, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you see it going from here? It's tough because, you know, there's another generation here of teenagers that are consuming the game in, you know, YouTube stories, right? Like I'm sitting here doing a a half hour podcast. Okay. It's supposed to be half an hour. This is 36 minutes or so, you know, Um, but I see teenagers just sitting there on their phones like this, just flipping, flipping, flipping next Next video, next video, next video. YouTube's pushing these. TikTok is big. It, it, it's these quick hitting things. People don't have the same attention spans or, or the patience to sit through. You know, it's like, okay, you've made your point. Next. Okay. Um, blah, 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 boom. You're gone. So it, it I think the next thing, it, I think things are just getting shorter and shorter. Um, but I don't know. It, it's hard to say exactly where where the whole thing is going to go. I do think we need to cater 
to the shorter attention span for sure. Um, but also I think we also need to cater to, you know, a lot of like, I I'm, I'm 50 years old. So, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who are in my demographic who, okay, you've, you figured out your smartphones, you got your car, you've connected every, every car has the Bluetooth now or the, you know, Apple CarPlay or, you know, Google, whatever, Android auto, whatever. And this is, this is the, the way, as long as you're commuting to work, you need something to listen to. And, mm-hmm. you know, EI and Sports Hub are only going to talk about Celtics for so long. And are you going to just take the chance? Like, all right, let me put it on. Oh, no, Patriots again. You know, Red Sox again. You know, like, and when they do talk Celtics, they suck at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like 90% of the time they suck at it. Like I've, I've said before, like, like Felger and Maz like comes on. It's like, oh, they're talking Celtics. Like, oh, okay. Um, I'm flipping around on the TV and I see a Celtics background and they're like, all right, let me just pop it on. Be like, oh my God, just stop with this. Um, so, so yeah, as, as long as that stuff is happening, then I do think podcasts have a, a longer shelf life. We've transitioned over to YouTube over the past few years. The YouTube numbers are starting to outpace some of the podcasting numbers. Uh, I think the audio podcasting stuff is starting to get a little flat. You're either at this point in life into podcasts or not into podcasts. And it's tough to expand your podcast just in people who download the app or subscribe. At this point, a lot of the discoveries on YouTube. So everybody has to do video at some point. So there's that. Uh, I think that's a, that's a huge trend that everybody's dealing with right now. And so, you know, people have, uh, budgets to, you know, put, put backgrounds together and stuff like that. So, um, the, the video portion of that is, is, is the current, the current trend I'd say. And yeah, I, I don't know what the hell is, is five years down the road, 10 years down the road. I just hope this lasts long enough for me to retire. <laughs> I think you're doing just fine, John. I yeah, think you're, you're killing right. it, John. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to worry, man. <laughs> so we've got uh, just a couple of quick questions here before yeah. we wrap up and let you go do something you actually want to do. Um, when you meet, <laughs> when you, when like so, when you're meeting people around Boston, and you know maybe they don't know who you are, and they learn that you cover the Celtics professionally, what kind of questions do they ask you? Yeah. Like, so yeah. it's, do you work? So, so what do you do for the Celtics? Yeah. No, I don't work for the Celtics. Um, I were, I cover the Celtics. Oh, it's, can you get tickets? No, you not get tickets. Um, my family still thinks I can get tickets. No, I cannot get tickets. I have a seat that they give me. I don't have access to a pool of cheap tickets. Um, they don't even want to put me where they put me. So, um, yeah. So those, those are the two people don't understand that I don't work for the team. Um, and then they want to know if I can get tickets. Um, and then after that, it's just, uh, just a general. So, so what do you do? Well, you know, all of that stuff. So I know that if I ran into anyone who covered the Celtics, my first question would be, what do you know about the team that you can't ethically <laughs> tell me and i'm not asking you to answer that question i'm yeah, just i'll tell you everything i'm ethically not a pound to tell you <laughs> not live on youtube i'm just curious do you, do you get that question a lot because i would you know, that, you know that would be the first question i would ask surprisingly i have not gotten that question 
Um, no one's, no one's really asked me. So what's Jason Tatum really like, or, <laughs> you know, like, do these guys really like each other and all that stuff? Um, I, it is interesting, but, I, 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 my answer actually, I can't answer the, the questions. It, it is kind of like what you see is what you get with these guys. Mm-hmm. There's, there really isn't some deep, dark secret, um, to a lot of this. There, there might've been a little bit of that with, with Kyrie. Um, <laughs> But, but these guys, these guys are pretty straightforward. This is kind of a boring locker room, to be honest with you, uh, because these guys are all just good guys. They're just good. literally, yeah. and that's what you want, right? As a Celtics yeah. fan, you're like, yes, give me a boring locker room. I know some yeah. people want drama and, and stuff like that, but there's no, like when Marcus Morris was there, that, that's a different lie. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a little bit more like chirping, uh, but these guys are all like really just, if I had a daughter, and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm marrying any one of these guys on the Celtics. I, I think I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. I, I think any one of these guys is is genuinely like a decent person, which makes for like boring locker room. <laughs> they come off as true professionals is how they I do. would describe they, it. They really are. I mean, they're young, rich men. Um, and so, yeah, does Jason Tatum come in looking like he skins Cookie Monster every once in a while? Like, yeah, sure. But uh, the, the quality of individual uh, is, is I think, it really is one of the more professional kind of like high level, uh, like on individual, whether you like these people or not, like as players, like people like Marcus Smart, for example, Marcus Smart is a player polarizing. Marcus Smart as a person is one of the most like top notch individual people. This guy is Seriously, one of the nicest, most thoughtful people. It is a tremendous loss. And maybe that's why I was always so down on moving him. He is a, it's a tremendous loss for the city, for, for like charities and for kids around here. Like this is the exact kind of guy you want as an athlete representing your team, wearing your city's name across his chest. That guy is an amazing person. So yeah, this is, this is just a good group of guys. Maybe they need to be like less good so they can be like meaner, you know, a-holes on the court and, and, you know, whatever, but it's, I'm I'm only kidding there. I'd rather have, I'd rather have a bunch of good guys. (laughs) Who like, who's going to be the Celtics media darling now that smart and grant are out the door. Oh, I don't think there is one. Okay. Like, Like, no, seriously, smart, smart was very thoughtful in his answers. Grant would talk, and talk and talk and talk. Um, Tatum doesn't talk much. Jalen doesn't talk much anymore. Um, Rob, Rob, Rob. We love Rob. But I tell you that from a media perspective. And it's it's not that he says a lot, but that dude is honest. He'll, he's straightforward. If he screws up, he'll say it. He'll say it right away. I screwed up. Actually, he'll swear. He swears a lot. In <laughs> um, his, uh, he's got that low... Southern mumbly drawl that makes it hard to understand sometimes. But when he's when, especially when he's in a good mood, he's just hilarious. Like he's, he's another guy like Rob's a guy that's just like, man, I just, I want like 10 Rob's on the team. Cause he's just so like gregarious and fun and just genuinely like, he just, he's just who he is. He's not trying to put on any airs. Um, and Luke Cornette is actually like legitimately like wise ass, <laughs> Almost kind of comedian type funny. 
Well, hopefully Walshy steps up to the plate and brings a bit of character to the podium there. Uh, John- a, he, that kid is just super happy, man. He is no one. No one's happier to be here than Jordan Walsh. He is just thrilled. Good on you, Walshy. All right, we'll end up on this. Uh, if you if you had to pod about anything but the Celtics, if you if the Celtics disappeared for whatever reason and you needed to continue your podcasting career, what would you podcast about? Okay, so am I like, I can't just pick another NBA team. No, no, no basketball. basketball. Just basketball has disappeared. Like, I cover the Pelicans now. <laughs> um, sports uh, and all of that stuff is out. Let's just say no sports. Um, I could get into politics. I could get into a political um, podcast. Um, I think I, I, I could do like a self-help kind of like mental health type of podcast. Um, and then, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I could also see myself like having like a fun time doing like a, like a podcast about a show, like the bear or something like that. Like just this episode and just, uh, just diving into an episode and, and talking about that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I, I could, I could do that. But those are the three kind of genres. Like I, 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 I'm a big, like I, I have been, um, when I was working in news, I was much bigger into politics, but I, I definitely have my political opinions mm-hmm. and how things should work. Um, and uh, I'm a big believer in mental health and uh, all of that, which, you know, long, long story. But um, and and yeah, you know, people like TV. So sometimes some if there's a good show out there, I'd, I'd love to like have a place to talk about it. or I could just do like a Simpsons rewatch. I'm sure there's oh. like a million a million of these but i would happily do like rewatch the simpsons and go like seasons one through i think i'd stop at like 12 or 13 would be the the most i could push it but that that would be a ton i mean that would be like you know a lot of podcasting <laughs> yeah yeah I'd love, to, like, I'd love to actually do that you know just that, start from day one you know santa's little helper and all of that stuff and let's go Simpsons podcast. Not only would that get you to retirement, you might have to retire well later in life to cover (laughs) all of the Simpsons content. There better be an afterlife because I would be posthumously (laughs) podcasting about the Simpsons. What about you, Spoonie? I'll throw it to you. This is what the people are here for. Um, (laughs) What would you podcast about? Um, So I, if I want to be successful, I, this might shock people. I'm an attorney, so I would probably podcast and try to explain like basic legal concepts to people so they could like use that in their daily lives. What's your, what's your specialty? What's what what, I'm an employment attorney. Yeah. That's interesting. My wife does that. Oh, really? Cool. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations, John, by the way, on the recent. Yeah. uh, yeah, I get to say that my wife does that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If I wanted to have fun, I'd just do a random like nerd shit podcast about like video games and fantasy novels and magic, the gathering. So yeah, huge audience there. Yeah, nice. <laughs> there probably uh, is a huge audience. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I probably, probably should switch to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd probably do a lot better than what we're doing right now, Spoonie. <laughs> All right, let's leave it there. That's going to do it for this one. Thanks so much for joining us. We're going to keep running these back with folks from Celtics Media throughout the offseason. So subscribe to the pod and or our YouTube if you haven't already. Uh, John Corrales, this was really fun, man. Thanks again for coming on. My pleasure. Happy to have, happy to be here. Yeah, I mean, like we said, huge fans. We listen every day. I think looking at the comments, there's a lot of people, uh, you know, joining the live stream here who feel the same way. So it's uh, a little bit surreal and always a pleasure to have you on. So very much appreciate it. Now, look, if somehow 
by an insane set of circumstances you follow us and not John. First of all, what are you doing? Call in, <laughs> let us know. But obviously, go and follow John at John underscore Corrales on Twitter so you can listen to, watch, and read all of his great work. In the meantime, we'll be back next week. Spoonie, love your work, mate. Until next time, go Celtics. Go Celtics.